Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to Storytime with your favorite hosts, Danny Whiting and Andy Something. Gather round the campfire and cozy up with a blanket and hot cup of tea and soothe your soul. Melt your spirit, fuck your brain, with beautiful stories from the heart. Listener discretion is advised, as they do talk about rape and murder and shit, but that's on you at this point, really. Good bedtime, children. That's right. It's that time of the week again. It's bedtime stories. And as usual, we are here. Mr. Hawley. Hello, everybody. And Dr. Rahipnol. Howdy, y'all. What a strange phrase for a doctor. Now remember, Dr. Rahipnol, we have to be extra fast today oh, we or do. tonight because oh, their mummies and daddies are due home at any minute. That's right. That's right. We heard from them. We've just spoke to them. They're in the taxi on the way back. But don't worry, children. We'll have you asleep with your bedtime story in no time. Would you like to snuggle Dr. Rahitno's cloth, children? Ow! Oh. You don't? Well, talk. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on your chest. <laughs> don't think about it. Just give a nice, deep huff. And let Come the on. magic happen. Should we carry on with the story? Should we start yeah. the story, Dr. Rick? We should. No? Let's do this. <clears throat> so today, children, we're going all the way back to January 1976, when a baby girl entered the world in Manchester, England. As she was cradled in her mother's arms, not a soul could have ever predicted the gruesome fate this girl would meet just 16 short years later. Her mother bestowed upon her the name of Suzanne, one of the few things that her mother did give her in this world. Suzanne Capper only wanted love and support from her parents, but she was never able to receive it. Throughout her short 16 years on earth, Suzanne's parents would let her down time and time again. They would never would have given her up, they never would have let her down. No, no. <laughs> yeah, they did. Ignore that bit. Their lack of love and support would lead Suzanne down a path that no human should ever have to endure. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound nice. Suzanne Kappa had a less than ideal upbringing. 
Her father walked out before she was born and her mother, Elizabeth, never gave Suzanne the loving support she deserved. Aww. During Suzanne's childhood, Elizabeth had married a man named John. After John and Elizabeth divorced, Suzanne was left to be brought up by her stepfather. I'm sure you all know your stepfathers very well. I guess we're kind of like your stepfathers, aren't we? I like to think we are. Essentially, the young girl felt abandoned. While she still had her stepfather, Suzanne began looking for attention and affection from anybody that would give it to her. Oh, saucy. She began acting out and started skipping school. Suzanne started couch surfing and would drift from one house to the next in Morton, Manchester. Couch surfing? That sounds fun, doesn't it, kids? I caramba. <laughs> Hang ten. Eat my shorts. <laughs> Those who knew her described her as a high-spirited, well-mannered girl. She was a very quiet girl and didn't really have many friends. Uh, obviously because she wasn't around you, gang. Hey, you would have befriended her. But Suzanne was a kind-hearted soul. But her desire to feel love and affection is what ultimately led her down a path of no return. During her couch surfing extravaganzas, Suzanne started frequenting the house of Jean Powell. Hi, Jean Powell. Hi. Why is she with us? <laughs> Sorry, Jean, I'm not quite sure if it's appropriate you should be in here for this. <laughs> Say hi, children, to Jean Powell. Hi, Jean The year is now 1992. Party! At the time, Suzanne was a 16-year-old girl and Jean was a 26-year-old woman. Jean had babysat Suzanne where she, when she was around 10 years old. Suzanne started dating Jean's brother, Clifford, for a while and ended up staying with Jean and Jean's three children. Regardless of their history, this was never an ideal friendship for Suzanne. Jean Powell's home was a hotspot for drug dealings, parties and sexual escapades. <laughs> oh, just carry on. Suzanne's stepfather knew nothing good was going on in Jean's house, but didn't honestly know the extent of the dangerous and illegal activities that were going down. John tried to get Suzanne to come back home, but at this point, she was in too deep. Suzanne's stepfather called Jean Powell's house a house of evil. Even when he spoke these words, there's no way he could have known the extent of the evil. The cast of characters living in the house were truly capable of carrying out. Unfortunately, this knowledge would only come out to the public after some time, and at the expense. 
So the main there. members of the House of the Evil were Jean Powell. Say hi, Jean Powell. Hi, Jean Powell. Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Bernadette McNally. <laughs> Anthony Dudson. Anthony Dudson. Jeffrey Lee. Jeffrey Lee. And Clifford Hayes. Clifford Hayes. One more time, I have to say all this. Glenn Powell was the 29-year-old ex-husband of Jean Powell. Bernadette McNally was Jean Powell's 24-year-old neighbour. And Anthony Dudson was Bernadette's 16-year-old boyfriend. Oh, she likes herself a toy boy. Jeffrey Lee was Jean's 27-year-old boyfriend and Clifford Hayes was Jean's 18-year-old brother and Suzanne's ex-boyfriend, <gasps> Tippy! Oh! Did you follow that, kids? <coughs> I bet you did! Suzanne would talk about everyone within the House of Evil, constantly bullying her. Despite the bullying and poor treatment, Suzanne kept going back as the gang of the House of Evil provided her with the attention she so badly craved. Michelle recalls how Suzanne never seemed scared of anyone in the gang, but was good-natured and would often let them take advantage of her. Michelle, Suzanne's sister, remembers Suzanne coming to their mother's house in the autumn of 1992. Suzanne was fed up with the gang and begged her mother to let her stay. Elizabeth turned Suzanne away saying her new boyfriend wouldn't like it. This left Suzanne little choice but to return to the house. After Suzanne's return to the house, things went quickly from bad to worse. In early December 1992, the gang came to Suzanne with a series of accusations. The group claimed that Suzanne had stolen a pink duffel coat and had infected the whole group with pubic lice. <laughs> Anthony, Bernadette McNally's boyfriend, had contracted pubic lice. He had been sleeping with Bernadette, Jean, Suzanne and God knows who else at the time. However, the gang came to the conclusion that it must have been Suzanne who had given everyone else the pubic lice. The gang came to the conclusion that Suzanne needed to be taught a lesson, so the gang beat her up. After the initial altercation, Suzanne had run back to her stepfather's home. However, on December 7th, 1992, Jean and her friends stopped by at Suzanne's stepfather's house and coaxed Suzanne to come out. They told her that a guy she fancied wanted to see her. The gang promised to take Suzanne to him. Instead of taking her to meet some dreamy fella, Jean took Suzanne back to their house. <sighs> Once back at the house, Suzanne was held down by the gang whilst Glynn shaved her head, her eyebrows and her pubic area. They then placed a plastic bag over her head and without her being able to see, repeatedly hit her over the head. They continued to torture her, hitting her with belt buckles and wooden spoons. Suzanne was so beaten up she fell to the floor, so Jean just started whipping her with a belt as someone else carried on hitting her with a big wooden plank. 
The beating was so severe that one of Suzanne's arms ended up broken and completely useless. It just hung from her, only staying on by its skin. That night, they locked Suzanne up in a cupboard and left her there overnight. Her screams became so loud, the next morning the gang had to move her. They took her to an abandoned house a few doors down. This was done under the pretense that they didn't want the young children staying in the house to be subjected to her screams and the violence, always looking after the children. Once at the new location, the gang propped up an old bed, tied Suzanne up in shackles and stuffed socks in her mouth to muffle her screams. They kept her in this house for five days and continued to torture her. Bernadette started to get high by shooting up and then started to call herself Chucky after the famous horror movie doll. Clifford and Jeffrey came over more than happy to join in with the torture. For the next five days, non-stop, they injected her with amphetamines against her will. They burned her with cigarettes all over her hands and face and pulled out her front teeth with pliers. Unable to move, they refused to let her go to the toilet and as a result she was left lying in her own pee pee and poo poo. After her stench became unbearable, the gang eventually threw her in a bathtub with concentrated disinfectant and scrubbed her with a yard brush, scraping the chemicals right into her skin. This resulted in some of her skin coming off. On top of this, they kept headphones taped to Suzanne's head. They repeatedly played the tape of Chucky saying, I'm Chucky, wanna play? Suzanne had to endure repeated torture for over a week. What a tough cookie. Lying on the old bed, back covered in blisters, skin still ripped to shreds from the chemical bath, searing in pain, Dirty socks stuffed into her mouth and barely able to breathe. A cigarette burn right in between her eyes only further increased the agony she was forced to endure. Sadly, her battle wasn't even close to being over. In the early morning hours of December 14th, 1992, the gang decided it was time to move Suzanne out the house. They decided to drive her out of the remote woodland area near Stockport. They pulled her out the car and rolled her body down the embankment. She suffered multiple cuts. She suffered multiple cuts from branches and thorns on the way down. Suzanne had already endured pain and treatment that no other individual should ever have to do. However, it was about to get even worse. Once at the bottom of the embankment, Bernadette poured petrol over Suzanne's entire body. Bernadette attempted to set Suzanne on fire, but the flame kept going out. Glyn and Anthony attempted to help her set her on fire, before eventually they were able to set Suzanne ablaze. Suzanne's body went up in flames immediately. The gang all thought she would die instantly and left the scene, laughing and singing, Burn, baby, burn. Disco inferno, burn, baby, burn. Burn your mother down. However, Suzanne didn't die at the bottom of the embankment. Excuse me. Suzanne had somehow managed to drag herself up the embankment after the gang had left. Her skin was peeling off 
Her feet were charred black and her legs were said to look like raw meat. Despite all this, she staggered onto the road and was found by a man on his way to work. The man picked her up in his car and drove to the nearest house. Pounding on the door, shouting for them to ring the ambulance, the homeowner did as they was told. The people in the house were struck by how polite Suzanne was, despite the clear and obvious pain she was in. She constantly thanked the woman who opened the door. The woman, Margaret, said she instinctively went to hug her, but Suzanne pulled away in the fear of the pain it would cause her. Her head was shaved and her head was cut. Her face was featureless. Her hands were red raw and black at the fingertips. Her legs were red raw from top to bottom. She couldn't bear anything near her legs. Suzanne went on to chug six full glasses of water. She needed assistance though due to the damage to her hands. She wasn't able to hold the glass. The ambulance came and... <clears throat> then the ambulance came and took her to the hospital where she was able to name all of the six people's full names and even the addresses that they lived in before she fell into a coma. Suzanne Capper died in hospital four days after being found severely burned on the side of the road. Her injuries were so bad that her own mother and father couldn't even identify her. She was only able to be identified through one of her less damaged thumbs. Initially, the gang all denied any involvement, but soon began turning on each other as the questions became more intense. <laughs> Suzanne Capper's murders was one of the most appalling ever to be committed on the English soil. The judge, Francis Potts, sentenced Jean Powell, Bernadette McNally and Glyn Powell to life imprisonment with a minimum of 25 years. Jeffrey Lee was sentenced to 12 years in prison, Anthony Dudson was detained indefinitely with a minimum of 18 years and Clifford Hayes was sentenced to 15 years. These six individuals committed heinous crimes. Suzanne Capper was severely tortured, sexually abused and set on fire. The gang acted in ways that would startle even the most hardened criminals. Whilst none of the six attackers should have ever seen the light of day, all are now released. The most high profile of which, Bernadette McNally, who only served 21 of her minimum 25 to 65 year sentence, now actually lives in the same building as an old friend of the country's. That's right, Karen Matthews, Shannon Matthews' mother and her pedo fiancé. Bernadette has actually been quite the charmer over the years, having been romantically linked whilst inside to Myra Hindley and is a very good friend with Rose West. Jeez, they like the Avengers. The, the Avengers? Avengers the More the like Avengers. the Offenders! <laughs> <laughs> I just feel sorry for Ian about Myra. Yeah. Anywho... Are you feeling sleepy? God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Um, it's out there. Yeah. The parents. Um, should we take the kids with us or just come back? Oh, oh, I feel a bit uneasy. Let's go through the window. Window. Window again. Window. We'll come back in a few more weeks. Okay. Bye, children. <laughs> Sleep tight. <laughs> Thank you.
The time has come to say good night, to say sleep tight till the morning light. The time has come to say good night, it's the end of a lovely day. Time has come to say good night, to say sleep tight till the morning light. The time has come to say good night, it's the end of a lovely day. So much fun today. Tomorrow's just a dream away. Now it's time to say goodnight at the end of a lovely day.